Welcome to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and food and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you. And I know that you're in exactly the right place to change that narrative and build a body you love inside and out. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome to episode two of Behind the Stage. That was not the musical intro that was meant to happen at all. Jess, Jess, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. So the reason why there was a big sigh is Jess has just been privy to me mucking around with the tech in the background. I have been such a stickler. If you're listening, you might notice the sound was better in the last episode or two. I'm still fiddling around with the sound and the image quality and all of those things, and I'm just not 100% happy yet. And uh, yeah, I've just been spending so much time on it. But anyway, let's not talk about that. That is very boring. We, I, Jess, and if you guys are watching on YouTube, although there are not many people that do watch on YouTube, Jess has the Jacked Girl University shirt on, represent. It's a good shirt. Yeah, it's good, such a good shirt. <laughs> so there are a couple of things that we wanted to chat about today. And one of them, we're going to start off with like the hard hitting topic first. This episode is not going to be all just fun and games. <laughs> it is going to be. Uh, I just want to talk about something. I want to talk about the last episode I recorded, which I called Cutting Carbs. So hopefully you've listened to it, but you may not have listened to it. And I, Jess and I spoke really briefly about this before I recorded it. But you know what? I really want to get the insider scoop on, like, you heard it. What do you think? Look. I'm going to preview everyone with the fact that you warned me we were going to have this conversation about 30 seconds before you hit record. So I am thinking as we go here a little, but I, I think it was an episode that probably some people didn't want to hear, but people probably needed to hear um, in just in regards to, you know, just going to extremes for no particularly good reason, aside from almost cutting corners, like, that's sort of, for me, what, you know, what it was a bit about. It's like, you know, um, it was by cutting carbs, it's almost trying to just cut corners and take an extreme approach to something that really doesn't need an extreme approach taken to it. Do you remember, not to go interview style on this, but do you remember way back when you first started your fitness journey? And and I don't say this rudely because it, I was the same, not knowing that much about nutrition, can you remember a time though when you didn't know better so you thought that cutting out food groups was the answer? Like did you have that experience? Yeah, 100%. I think I could honestly say I cut every food group out under the sun, you know, I cut out animal products because that was apparently going to be the solution. I cut out carbs, cut out oh, dairy, you know, whatever. I've, I've been there and done that. Um and I think most people can probably say they have at some point in time because, you know, lack of education and you think that's going to be the solution to the problem. Um, and 
and you know that is an element of it I think you know being educated on it is key because if you don't have that background knowledge then of course you'd think oh well you know Susie at work cut out carbs and she lost 20 kilos and you're like oh clearly that's the way to do it no Susie was just in a calorie deficit because she wasn't eating carbs because she cut a huge food group out that was what it was um, and so, yeah, I have been there and I can understand, you know, where the, people's heads are at when they're, mm. when they're there. But I also think there's, you know, a lot of education out there these days that there wasn't back then. And the access to it is a lot easier than it was to, like, it's much more available for the general population to understand, you know, the basics of nutrition. So I think some, you know, responsibility needs to go onto people to, actually do the research themselves if they're going to say i'm going to cut carbs okay look into why are you going to cut carbs like what is the actual purpose of that if you do a google should i cut carbs it'll probably come up with yes you'll end up in a calorie deficit you're like ah hold on that's awfully familiar so i think some responsibility needs to be on the person themselves but yeah there is also you know a lack of education behind it yeah i've been thinking about this so much i spoke to you I think I actually put this on my Instagram I was really hesitant once I recorded it to post it so I recorded it and look to be honest with you most of the times when I produce something I think it's immediately terrible and it does I need to reflect and either listen to it or consume it and go actually no that's really you know that's valuable so my issue was right I was like look speaking to people who are coming to me for coaching is one thing because those people typically are really ready for change. And and like I said in the podcast, yes, I coach women who are typically perfectionists and they're already, they're on the other side. They're, you know, doing all of the things they've panicked about any little, you know, change or whatever. They're kind of not looking for the easy answer. But I was like, okay, so this podcast though, it's going to reach a much wider audience and the person that is asking isn't coming to me for coaching. It's a conversation. It's a conversation with the group of women. So then in that vein, it's a different woman that I'm speaking to that I was speaking to. And I just wonder, like, just say uh, training and nutrition, your physique result isn't in the, your top few priorities Because if it is, you're probably going to have a coach. Like most people, you're going to end up at that point in time. And even if you don't have a coach, you've had one, you might be thinking of one. It might just be a a momentary pause. You're probably going to have someone to help. It's fun, right? It's just fun having someone to work with. But that's where I was like, okay, so if we drop it back and say, you know, our physique is like five, six or seven, and it's got to be up there still. If you're that frustrated, it's still it's got to be somewhere in the priority list, I think, or else yeah. you wouldn't be frustrated, right? Yeah. Mm. Or it's I think this is the other thing too, and I think of um, you know friends and that that I have mm. who are not mm. at the end of the physique scale like I am, who are you know I'm hitting that age where my friends are intentionally having children, mm. um, and you know they're, they're starting to be mums and that, and you know part of them is like. Uh, I would like to, you know, I don't feel comfortable in how I look and I would like to like it a little more. I wouldn't necessarily say like, you know, physique goals are in mm. there, but it's that more like confidence and, mm. you know, just comfortability in their body is their mm. priority. That's yeah. where I sort of like, 
Yeah, that sort of group of people. Yeah, right. And so then I was like, okay, just say, so say that, say we are speaking, just say right now, like we are speaking to that group of people where it's like, yeah, like comfort. I want to feel comfortable and confident. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily want to dedicate a lot of time and effort, which is fine. So I, I did provide, you know, somewhat of a framework to do that. But, but that's where I sort of got to thinking, like, where is that line of ownership and responsibility and I just, I've just been pondering it so much because, you know, I think when we love this process so much, it can be so easy to sit here and say, well, this is pretty simple on paper. Yeah. Like these are the things to do. I understand it's complex. And even me thinking about the woman who's coming to me for coaching, she's definitely ready. She's ready to do X, Y, Z that she needs to do. But in order to help, you know, to use this podcast to help those who they're not actually like, they're not that interested in something like coaching or, you know, taking things super, super seriously, but still want to feel confident. Would that episode have been just a total turn off that they would have only got, you know, three minutes into, and then they'd be like, this feels really not right. I think it really depends on where they genuinely genuinely are at I think you know if and I think that's where it sort of comes down to like level of importance and things you can Mm. think something's really important to you and you can think you are really ready for something and want to hear something but when it's presented to you you're not ready and Mm. and that's something you really don't have control over Mm. there's plenty of times when I've needed to hear something but I wasn't ready to hear it and then you know I thought I was and all of that and so I think it really depended on each individual and where they were at. I think there would have been some people who were listening to that episode and thought, yeah, okay, now I get this, you know, these are things I can take away with me and apply. And there would have been others who thought, yeah, I'm going to get something from this and immediately put a wall up because they weren't ready to hear what you had to say. Mm. And, you know, that's that's the case with lots of different things. Mm. So I think it really depends on, you know, where they genuinely Mm. are at. Mm. in terms of wanting to take that information on because that's the other thing, you know, I think like what's that saying, you can lead a horse to water but you Mm. can't make them drink. Mm. You can give everyone the information Mm. as simply and as openly as you want but if you're not ready to hear it, Mm. you're not going to hear it. It's such an important thing too and and I've seen this across all different aspects of my life is – and I had had a coach once say this to me, not a fitness coach, once say it to me, it's totally okay to not be ready. And I think if I can maybe do a 2.0 of that episode and extension after I've had time to reflect, it's like, and I guess I did make a big, you know, big point of saying there is no judgment attached to the words coming out of my mouth in terms of that episode. And I really wanted to make that clear, but it's totally okay to accept that you're not ready for whatever, you know, the next step might look like. And I've been there in different aspects of my life multiple times where I've had to say, I, I, okay, I actually hear the solution now and I totally accept I'm not willing to take the next step towards a solution. And I think though that even just in that, that can provide some relief because it's like when I am ready, I now know the path that I should take. And like, for example, in the podcast, I was like, you know, just Sunday, jot out every day of the week, just plug in three meals for most of those days. You can leave Friday night free. You can leave Saturday night free. Just plug in a protein veg and some carb source for three of those meals 
um, yeah. per day for most days. I mean, you're doing pretty good. You're doing better than most people just doing that. That's like a real simple tip. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the thing. I think, and, you know, again, with this conversation, there's no judgment or anything in what we're saying. And, you know, I really want to make that clear. I suppose for me, it's more like I've been in that spot where I cut the food group and I'm like, I don't want anyone else to have to be there. Like, I just so desperately want people to be like, no, you don't have to do that because I've been there and I've hit that like rock bottom place. And I'm like, if I can save someone else from being there, I would love to because it's not an enjoyable place to be. And, you know, I think that was the same for you recording that episode. It's like purely like, I just want you to know you don't have to go through that and do all of that. But at the same time, it's okay if you're not ready for, you know, whatever the next step is, um, you will be ready at some point in time. And when the time comes, you know, as you said, here's the path for you to follow um, and those sorts of things. And I think, yeah, every person will come to that at their own time. You've got to go through your own journey. And, you know, for some of us, it is hitting that rock bottom spot before we're willing to be like, okay, now I'm, I'm ready for that next step. But um, yeah, I suppose for me, I'm just like out there trying to be like, no, you don't have to. <laughs> mm. Yo, I've got a real deep but personal question. You weren't ready for this. I had give, I gave <laughs> Jess no idea of what we were speaking about today. I'm just chucking the question today. All right. I'm the I've been thinking so much today <laughs> um, and partly because I was at the hairdressers and you have to sit in the seat for a little while. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing worse than just staring at yourself. You need to distract yeah. yourself with thoughts. That's the most unattractive I think you'll ever look in life is sitting there with that cape on. And wet hair. Yeah. <laughs> this is really deep and you don't have to answer it. How many times in this fitness physique journey have you hit rock bottom? <laughs> um, I'm happy to answer it because, as I said, if – if me getting deep and personal is going to help somebody else not hit rock bottom, um, then, you know, I'm out here to, to share that. So I suppose my initial rock bottom would have been when I started it, when, you know, I was obese, like morbidly obese. I was miserable. I genuinely can say I hated who I was as a person. Um, so that was big rock bottom number one. Um, and then I probably hit rock bottom number two about 12 months into trying to lose the weight when um obviously I was at a point with calories and stuff I didn't have a coach at that time I was doing it myself um and you know that got really low when it was a really miserable time and I sort of I tied a lot of my worth to the comments I was getting from people about oh wow you look so good and I'd sort of lost as much weight as I was going to and that stopped and I was like Oh, well, who am I now if I'm not the girl who was losing weight and I sort of lost myself? So that would be rock bottom number two. I hit rock bottom when we first got together and there were a fair few gym sessions crying on the floor where I was just like, I can't do this anymore, I'm done. Three, what are we at? Mm. Yeah, I'd probably say, and then probably one more when we got pretty deep into some like mindful, like mind stuff and trying to just unpack a lot of, you know, what I had attached my entire self-worth and being to um, and unpack that. So I'd say at least four times in three years we're looking at. It's, you know, it's been a ride. Yeah, dude, I hear. I definitely had I definitely had the big one, the post-show weight gain of 12 kilos in eight weeks. So I went from hitting my quote-unquote goal weight 
the weight that I'm sure my life will be perfect if I hit this weight. So it was so not perfect. Like everything was falling down around me. It's funny though. Right. And then uh, eight weeks after that, I was 12 kilos heavier. That's a lot of weight in eight weeks. Yeah. And, you know, I'm 154 centimeters. So I went from the lowest to the highest I'd ever (laughs) weighed. If anyone's done any kind of like competition or gotten married or had a kid, I imagine bought a house or something like that. You have a bit of a lull just after because what goes up must come down. So after the show, there was those feelings as well to deal with. That was really, really bad for me. I don't think I, I don't think I've had a rock bottom since in terms of like the fitness and physique and all of that sort of stuff. But that was, that was real bad. That was one of the worst times in my life. It's actually funny. That whole year was really bad. So in like April, May, I quit my job, my whole job. And that was, I was having some pretty severe anxiety attacks, did the show in September and then October, November had another one. So that was, well, now when I look at it, 2016 was just a transformative year. I mean, it's interesting though, when you look back and, and I see the amazing things that have come out of that. But just like you said before, Jess, you know, you and I are both passionate about talking about this stuff because we've, we've been to the depths of hell and we don't want anyone to have to do the things like do the cutout carbs. So if we, if we do sound really resolute and potentially harsh in what we're saying, it's because we've been there, done that. And, and it wasn't just this niggle over a number of years of like, Oh, I don't look how I look or any of those things. This is bad. Like this was really bad. Um, that's why we're, why we speak like this coming onto a bit of a different topic. I do want to talk to you about success mindset and you're a doer, you're a, you're a real get shit done kind of girl. We, we laugh about this in private messages all the time. Like how it's like, am I psychotic or do I just like want to achieve amazing things? I think I said to you the other day, is it hashtag radical acceptance or hashtag psychopath? I'm walking a fine line here sometimes. I mean, that's what I want to talk about, <laughs> like, because I've been thinking about it and I've been listening and consuming a little bit of content from people who are elite in whatever they do. A lot of it is through like physique athletes, right? Fair enough. Yeah. But this this is the same mindset with business and, and anything else. <sighs> the people who seem to be at the top really do seem to have an attitude of, fucking I'll do whatever I need to to get this shit done. And I guess the argument too is that is not everyone wants to be elite. Not everyone wants to be the best. Again, totally fine. But again, I think the woman that wants to be in our circle, be in our vibe, listen to this podcast, all those sorts of things, I really think she does want to achieve amazing things for her. And it may not look like the best in the world. Because like I want to do well with bikini competing. I don't want to – I don't necessarily – want to get to the Olympia, it, that's a lifestyle in and of itself, right, which I don't yeah. exactly want. But, yeah, like I want to do well. I want to build some muscle. I want to look really different. And I know you are really similar with – like you have quite yeah. similar physique goals to me actually. And we actually also have, I think, similar lifestyle lifestyle goals. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So what do you think about that like 
really rugged attitude, like I'm going to fucking get in there and do all the shit I need to do for people like us who, yeah, okay, we don't want to be household names, but we do want to achieve amazing things. Like, is it healthy? <laughs> Look, I think I was reflecting on this the other day after I did message you and be like, radical acceptance, psychopath, help me here. <laughs> and, you know, as much as I joke about it, it is one of those things where sometimes I sort of like, I stop and I think, and I'm like, you know, are you just so like determined to achieve things that you are actually suppressing stuff that you need to deal with, like emotionally deal with, or is it a case of actually you're just going to get on with it? And for me, I do have to stop and reflect sometimes because there are moments where I'm like, oh, is this sometime I should be feeling emotion or doing something with this or, you know, is this normal? Um, I think, you know, the other day when I messaged you, it was because, we were meant to be moving into our house before my wedding that I'm attempting to have for the third time. And I got told I wasn't going to be moving into my house before my wedding. And I was just like, no, oh, well. And I was like, should I have felt something about that? Like, I feel like a normal person would be like, oh, that's so sad. And, and, and that, and I was just like, no, is what it is. Let me move on and make a backup plan now because that's not going to happen. And, you know, I was saying to um, my partner, I was like, they're like help me am I like be my emotional human for a moment should I be emotional he goes no because what difference was that going to make he goes you could sit and wallow and be sad about it not going to change the fact we don't have the house before the wedding I was like you've got a point here um and so for me that's sort of where I find the line it's for me the line is is you know first off do I feel genuinely upset about this or that if I do okay, just stop, breathe, acknowledge that emotion, don't suppress it, which I can do at times because it's like, go, go, go. If I don't though, I'm just going to move on. Like just because society might say, oh no, you should be upset about that. If I'm not, I'm not going to waste my time on it. I'm going to move on and get stuff done because I've got things I want to achieve. And so to achieve those, I need to get going. And yeah, I think that's, You've just got to, yeah, stop sometimes and reflect. I think it, you really do have to be mindful in those moments and just say, is there a feeling here? Am I suppressing it? Am I acknowledging it? And then make a call on what to do from there. Yeah, dude, I so agree with you. I have this I have this saying in my head and I picture myself saying it in like one of my, the houses I used to live in with my fam. So I must have been like 13. And I was already thinking, because I, I remember saying this, There's no rule book on how I need to feel in a particular situation. There is no rule book on how I need to feel. I have that burned into my brain. I don't know where I read it, but I think that really changed my uh, my mindset on a lot of things. Like just because X, Y, Z happened and other people might feel however, it doesn't mean I need to. Like what's genuine? Like you said, what's genuine for me? And like with the house example, it's true. Like to be honest with you, I think we sort of spoke about it as well. It's like, what do you, what, what can you do if being upset? Nothing. It's not going to help yeah. you do anything. Right. And it's like, yeah, okay. If you're genuinely disappointed, like that's fine. But with the, with the whole success thing for myself, I know there are times where just say things feel maybe overwhelming or like they're a bit too much. If I just give myself the grace of feeling that, the feeling dissipates real fucking fast, like within an hour and I'm back to doing stuff. I'm back to taking action because action makes me feel good. Yeah, It makes me feel really good. I'm excited about a lot like you. We're passionate about a lot. 
it's really fun for us to do the things we're doing. And I think that that's where it might be misconstrued just because of course, what we're doing, not everyone's going to find fun. It's, it's quite a niche thing that we like to do, especially being female lifting weights. It's, it's real niche. It's not that popular. And it might seem like popular if you're listening to this, but it's because we're in a real small bubble. We're in a very small bubble and even like privilege, like just, just chuck it out there. Access to coaches, access to gyms, access to equipment. There's not yeah, that many. Privileged. There's not that many women who are in this position we're in. So it's actually a really small bubble. But yeah, I think it can look like a certain way on the outside. But the more I've been thinking about it, it's like we fell in love with the process. So we might get shitty about you know not hitting a PR or a poor week in the gym or. I don't know, going away for a weekend and not totally being controlling of our food. Like I remember when I went to Europe for a month, it was amazing. But yeah, I was I was pissed off because the meals went on very cheap. What was it, like a top deck tour? And a lot of the food was actually included and yeah. it was horrendous and very low protein, almost no veggies. And that's not the way I live. So it wasn't great. And it's like, you know what, okay, amazing opportunity, right? <laughs> But I didn't love, I didn't love that, you know, kind of, kind of style of living. And it's like, this is really, really fun for us. We really have come to a place where we enjoy the process. So I think sometimes it can look like maybe we're pushing the limits on achievement, but it's just fun. It is fun. (laughs) And also like for me, the action, like if something happens and, you know, it, makes me frustrated or upset. For example, had a little mini meltdown on Sunday when I'd missed a training session. I was really annoyed about it because not because it's like, oh, you know, I'm not going to make gains or whatever now. I was just like annoyed that a series of events had led to that. And, you know, it was my own fault for getting there. And I had my little meltdown, but then taking action is what's going to make sure that doesn't happen again. So I can sit and whinge about it all week this week. I could be like, oh, it's so annoying that that didn't happen and I wish that that happened and I've done that. But it's going to happen again if I don't take some sort of action to prevent it from happening. So rather than sit and, you know, wallow all week about the fact I missed a training session, it's like, okay, well, what's the plan for this week to make sure that that series of events doesn't happen again? And I think that's where it can, you know, get a bit misconstrued sometimes. I think people are like, you know, you know, that psychopathic tendencies. It's like, well, no, it's actually just making sure that mm. I've got systems and plans in place to meet the goals and things that I want to achieve. Mm. Yeah. And like, we're all different and it's totally fine to be different. It's totally fine if, if this isn't attract an attractive way of living. And <laughs> yeah. And for, sure. for those of you listening, you're probably resonating with this, but maybe you have family or friends who um, yeah, really, they're like, why are you taking this gym thing so seriously? Why are you having a protein shake? Why? What are you eating? Like, why are you eating that? Why are you eating so much food? Like, a lot of my girls get, why are you eating so much? <laughs> it's like, because I'm bulking, bro. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's just something that I've been reflecting on. Like I said to you, I've been thinking a lot about this, like, success mindset and how it can seem on the outside, but what it actually feels like when you fall in love with the process. I mean, it's just fun. It is. It is genuine fun. And again, it's okay if that's not what you want to achieve either. Like just because there's, you know, we're out here doing this and 
striving for that, that doesn't mean you have to do that and you're not failing because that's not what you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. That, you know, for me, this is what I want to achieve. But, you know, my friend who trains, they don't have, you know, goals like I do. And so their version of success in that is very different. And I think people need to be mindful of that too. You, what you're doing needs to be successful for you, not successful for the person down the road that you think you need to be doing. How, okay, that's such a good segue into define your own version of success. Define, and this goes for everything in life, doesn't it? It's like, what does what are we sort of told? I don't know. A Disney movie is the same these days. You know, when we were little, it's like find a prince charming and have a house and two kids. <laughs> and and I think for me, so I didn't watch Sex in the City when it first came out, but some kind of independent woman hit me around 14, 15, and I was like, okay, my version of success is living in an apartment by myself with a dog. Like that's what I wanted, yeah. right? I saw that as total success. And, you know, now it's very, very different. Now it's like freedom to do what I want when I want every single day. Like that is absolute number one. That's what success looks like. In terms of my physique, I actually think I kind of already topped out my my what success is. Everything else now is just a cherry on top, which is why I guess it, it everything feels quite stress-free and why I call the yeah. podcast fitment free because there is a lot of freedom. But what about you? What what how has your idea of success in like life changed over the years? Well, where if you'd asked, so well, let's even go like 20 year old, yes. Let's go back 10 years, I'm gonna turn 30 this year. I was actually having this conversation with a friend the other day about she just turned 30, and I was like, you know, every 30 seems to be one of those ages where when you're young, you're like, by 30, I will have insert things here. And I said to her, you know, what what were you hoping to have achieved? And she was like, you know, I wanted to be married, have built a house have a kid and, you know, just be really fit and healthy. And, you know, we were talking about which of those she'd achieved and all of those things. And I said, I'm not going to be able to do this when I turn 30 because who I am at 30 is nothing like what I thought I wanted to be, but I am beyond happy with who I am. So it's not like it's because I haven't achieved it. It's just I pivoted so far from where I thought I wanted to be. So 20-year-old Jess wanted to be, married by like 22 you know that was the dream have kids be living in a house like that was my dream you know stay at home mom all of those things that is literally my worst nightmare my dream has become my worst nightmare for me success now is I'm looking forward to being married but you know it for me it wasn't going to be a micro success but to have you know a loving partner that was what I wanted which I do have um Building a house has always been one that has followed me through. So, you know, that's one. But kids, it's not actually what I want. It was what I thought I wanted because society told me that's what I wanted. That's not what I want anymore. It's, you know, being financially free and being able to do what I want when I want, um, you know, being wildly independent and doing, you know, things for me that fulfill me um, and those sort of things. And that is now what success is for me. It's, you know, absolutely loving who I am and being so confident in myself as a person, that's success, not, you know, a house, a husband, two kids and a dog. Mm -hmm. Fucking amen, hey. 
Uh, it's so yeah. funny how we kind of started off with the same. Well, it's not really funny. I guess it's what women in our culture are told we yeah. that we should put up as a sign that we're successful. Yeah. I think we spoke about the no buy the last podcast we did. Oh, my God. It's like six days away until we finish this Yeah, I think round. so. It's close. And then we start no caffeine. What idiots. Uh, um, but what was I just saying? What was I just – I've just lost my train of thought. Oh, we were talking about – um, similar things. Yeah, so it's like the the cultural conditioning, I guess, of what what we deem successful and then having that epiphany after a while where it's like, hang on a second, this isn't actually authentic to me and yeah. it may look very different to what other people are holding up as their uh, sign of success this is what I was going to say, but the one that dawned on me through, I read The Psychology of Money. I think I said it on the last podcast, but it's a fantastic book. Highly recommend you guys read it. We're getting into like deep and meaningful life stuff now, but uh, reading that was, I, I sort of started to go down this track of like materialism started to feel a little bit weird just because, and again, this might sound really off turning, but I've just got to say what's true for me because that's my truth and maybe people will resonate with that. But I got to this point where, you know, I'd sort of surpassed what I thought financial success meant. And not I'm not going to say I felt empty, but just like hitting the scale weight that I thought was going to do something, there was no fanfare. It's not incredibly life-changing. If you got a roof over your head and, you know, you're warm and you got food, that's it feels yeah. the same the whole way along. And I was just kind of looking at the stuff I had and thinking I'm just accumulating this shit to get this very brief rush of, oh, you like, I feel great with this thing, with this new thing, and some of it to show off. And it yeah. just started feeling really off, felt really, really off. And, yeah, then I ended up reading. It's funny how things just sort of fall into your lap when you're – so, yeah, I found this book just as a recommendation, read it. I was like, fuck, I resonate with this so much. And one of the things in it was he was talking about someone who – so he was a valet, this author was a valet for a period of time as a young as a young man and he'd have people come in with like Lamborghinis and stuff and he was always like, well, they must be really, really wealthy. And then as he got older, he learnt that like some people, yeah, they are, you know, but there's going to be some who it's borrowed money, it's they're in debt up to their eyeballs, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, the only thing someone has having a Lambo tells you is they're less 250 grand or however much they are. And I was like, fuck, that's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? And it's like that difference between rich and wealthy, like very different things. But also throughout that book, it was just solidifying like what are you – and again, this goes for fitness and physique too. Again, what are you doing for external validation? Are you trying to yeah. get to a scale weight? Are you trying to get a physique? Um, are you, you know, what clothes are you wearing? What brand names are you wearing? Are you wearing this because you genuinely like the item or are you wearing this as a symbol of look at me, this shows that I am successful? Yeah. It's so interesting because there's going to be people who authentically, yes, like they love cars. They love the sound of starting up their Lambo. Like it is absolutely yeah. for them and it's genuine. And then there's going to be the person who, you know, they can't even afford it. They don't really like cars, but they're doing it because, well, this will signal to all the other men in my street that I've made it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, this is what everyone else is doing Mm. and everyone else seems really happy. So that must be the key to happiness. Mm. And I think, as you said, it applies to literally Mm. everything in life and, you know, whether it be fitness, whether it be relationships, whether it be any of those things, you know, I think what we can sum this whole thing up is if you really have to find what is true for you and that's the key because Mm. If it's not true for you, it's never going to lead to happiness Mm. because it's not actually what you're seeking. Mm. It's true for somebody else and that's never going to get there. And I think that journey is a tough one to go Mm. through to actually work out what things am I doing for me versus what things am I doing for others. But, God, once you get to the end of that, that is that is the free that is that is the freedom it is the fact that you get up every day and you go and do your things for you because they're true to you and if you honestly find those things that are true to you you actually genuinely don't care what anybody else thinks Mm. like Mm. you know it doesn't matter Mm. you know for me doing this physique stuff and competing has nothing to do with what anyone else is going to think about me I could care less half half more than half 99 percent of people in my life don't even know I'm doing it like it's not something I'm showy about or anything like that obviously they physically can see me but I don't talk about it it's not something I make a point of because it's not for them it's it's for me and it fills me with happiness and you know they're a side part to it it has nothing to do with doing it for others and because it's for me the fact that some other people may not agree with it and judge me for it I could not give two shits because that's fine. That's their issue. That's not mine. But if I, if it wasn't true for me and I was doing it for the validation of others, that would sit and throw you off course and mess with you. And I think that's where you can sort of think to yourself, if you're doing something and someone makes comment and it really gets to you, hmm, why are you doing that thing? Mm-hmm. Probably for the validation of others. Mm. And that gets me thinking too about the sustainability of it. Because if we're doing it because we really, really like it, like I said, we find joy in the process. So the outcome's like, yeah, you know, if if you're disappointed by the outcome, it it is what it is. But for most things, if you're genuinely passionate about it and it means a lot to you, you're going to keep going through the failure. You'll get up and and continue going because it's fun. You've found fun in the process. And I think that that's where it's sustainable. Yeah. And if we bring it back to physique, especially to be able to maintain a physique, we've got to do what we're doing. You know, again, like I know there are dials and maintenance periods and all of that, but we still got to train and eat. Like you got to eat your protein. You got to train most days of most weeks if we want to sustain it. So I think it is really important to have a think about like in terms of the process of every aspect of our life, like what, what is really authentic to us? What feels like we're putting on a mask to, to seek that, external validation or belonging but actually this was the other point you know you said like 99% of people don't sort of know what you're doing right or maybe there are people who have people who don't agree I think you can find new groups of people where everyone's cheering for you yeah um actually that brings me to a post I put on my insta the other day which was um something about like being your own hype person which I'm really big on and actually a client messaged me. We had a good discussion. She was like, yeah, but, you know, what about like hyper-independence culture and being able to support other people? I was like, fuck yeah, I totally agree. Like if you have capacity to support those close to you, support them. And I mean like emotional capacity, right, to yeah. be able to be there as a cheer squad. 
absolutely I'm all about hyping friends up. I'm all about, even if you don't understand why they love something, if your friend loves collecting stamps, fucking support them. Exactly. That's, fine, right. It's awesome for them, right? Whatever they want to do. And like, yeah, I do agree. I think that first of all, we just need to understand that not everyone's going to understand what we're doing, including partners, you know, and I think it can be really rough to put a lot of expectation on our partners to, well, they must, they must think I'm going to be the most successful woman in whatever I choose to do. They must absolutely support me no matter what. And it's like, well, hang on a second, you know, they're in their own person. They've had their own experiences. Maybe they've seen someone had a really rough, have a really rough time with what you're trying to pursue rather than get all upset at them for not being the number one hype woman. You be your own and, you know, hopefully if you're lucky, there will be others. Yeah. And she sort of said, you know, we don't want to accept poor treatment from others. And again, I, I absolutely agree. We don't need to accept poor treatment from other people, but I guess I was just thinking of an, of an example where say, uh, and I know Ben supports you totally. So it's not the best example, yeah. but just say Ben was a little bit like, Oh, like, are you sure? Maybe he was worried about your health or something like that. I think it would be unfair to layer all of that onto him and be like, well, you should be, you know, my number one hype man because you're you know, going to be my husband soon. It's like, well, he doesn't know. He doesn't know exactly all the ins, ins and outs yeah. of this. But I think I think a good example of that, um, you know, not <laughs> he wouldn't listen to this, but not to throw him on the bus with my dad. So you know, I sort of explained this whole physique competing <laughs> thing to him. My dad's a very like he's a conservative man, and all of those things, and he's super supportive of me doing it. Like he's like, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's all that it goes. I don't actually like how they look. It doesn't, I don't find that attractive. I think it's taking it too far. But if you want to do that, I'm there for you. And you know, I could take that really personally. Be like, oh you're not supportive, blah blah blah. He is, he is super supportive to me. He doesn't understand it. He's like, I don't understand why you want to look like that. That for me makes no sense. But you know, there's no judgment towards me doing it. And I think you know, that's, that's something that probably happens with lots of people in lots of different places, whether it be a partner, a parent, friend, whatever. They may not understand why you're doing it. That's okay. It's mm-hmm. like with any of these things, it can be a bit strange sometimes. It's not the norm. And I forget sometimes it's not the norm what we're doing because we I am in a nice little bubble and some people are like, why would you want to do that? That sounds like hell. Um, but that doesn't mean they can't be or they're not supportive either. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know that's the way it is yeah that's the perfect example of what I was trying to say right it's like you're not taking that personally you understand that it's yeah it is a bit odd and maybe this is a good time if you are someone who's thinking about competing or anything like that like definitely jump into the building bodies and muscle we love Facebook group Jess and I are both in there there's heaps of women in there as well with physique goals and you can just start to get into a community where these conversations are normal and uh we like we have the same goals and we're all really keen on physique so if you feel like if you're listening to this and you're sort of geographically not near anyone who can resonate this is a community available for you and you can always message us as well um in the dms on insta if you want to if you want to reach out but it, it all really ties into as well as like if you know who you are genuinely and look this is a lifelong journey like I think we're always rediscovering new parts of ourselves. but if you know who you are these kinds of things won't get you to as much get, get to you as much but I also do agree with what my client was saying I think communities are really important and having support 
having support can make the process even more fun, you know? Yeah, mm. I think massively. And, you know, um, for me, in I am geographically isolated from anybody who does anything like this. It's mm. not, I don't have any people near me who, um, you know, are on this same journey or even somewhat similar journey. Um, and so, you know, that community for me through um, the Facebook page and through Instagram is really important because, you know, as much as I've got the support of those who geographically are close to me, you do need some people who just understand what you're going through too because it's one of those things that people don't really get unless you do it. Mm. And so, you know, you need that community. And I think, as you were saying before, you can't put that expectation on like one group of people in your life. Like you have to have different groups of people to be your height people for different things. Like, you know, I can't, I don't expect Ben to be my height person for work and understand what that's like because he doesn't understand, you know, that's not his role. So I've got friends who are teachers who provide that part of that for me. And then, you know, with the fitness and physique stuff, that's where, you know, I've got a different group of people and it doesn't mean that other groups can't also be supportive, but it's okay to have different niches for different things too. Like you can't, you know, you can't expect one person to do it all. Yeah, absolutely. On this note and another bit of a segue, we, you and I both caught bits of the Olympia. Did you end up paying for it or not? No, I didn't. Yeah, neither did I. (laughs) I got so close. I was so close to paying for it, but I didn't in the end. I just waited. So if anyone's listening to this and don't know what we're talking about, so the, um, like, it wasn't, oh, my God, I keep saying the Olympia, the Arnold's this weekend. The Arnold's. The Arnold's. Um, If anyone's listening, so one of the the biggest um, bodybuilding shows was on this past weekend and Jess and I caught bits of the bikini girls in the lineup who just looked absolutely phenomenal if you're if you're interested in this stuff um type in like arnold's bikini 2022 you'll probably see some reviews on youtube but yeah um did you end up watching any of the the girls youtube channels did you go down that rabbit hole yeah Yeah, look i've been down the entire rabbit hole um i have watched all of the things it's like you know burnt into my memory because you know i was like i need all of it all of it because it was so good but um yeah, it was – it's a really interesting thing to see, like, the inside of it and just their journey and all of those things. Um, and, you know, it's damn hard work. And I just don't think, you know, people give credit and understanding to just how hard it is. Like, it's not not an easy thing to do. You know, so we were talking about the prize money, so a bit controversial. It's not really controversial, so I shouldn't say that, but – uh, if if you don't know much about the sport, it can sound really, really bad. So basically there are a whole different divisions, lots of different divisions for the girls and a few different divisions for the guys. And the the guys, they're like the top division, the bodybuilding division pays 200K for the winner. Now the, the bikini winner gets $10,000. So I'll just say that again. So <laughs> the bodybuilding men get 200K, the bikini girls, the winner gets 10,000. Now, like I said, it sounds real bad. When you understand a little bit about the sport, it's like, okay, who draws in the most amount of money for the show? It's definitely the the men's category. They're going to get the most viewers, right? So I can get why to an extent that they get, it's just so much more money. It's so much more money, but I don't really want to get into that. I'm not a Oh yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that whole men versus women and money thing, 
But what I did want to talk about was like $10,000 for being like probably, yeah, the best bikini athlete in the world, just because it's like the Arnold's and the Olympia are the two biggest shows you have to get an invite. They're the, they're the best in the world, right? $10,000 to be the best at your sport. When your sport, like as, and people are going to laugh, I'm like trying to talk up bikini athletes, but it's 24 seven. It's all of your food. It's how many training sessions and it's cardio. And this isn't just for a prep. So maybe those girls might only be doing like eight, 10, 12 week preps. It's, you know, they're pretty lean year round. Maybe there's some drug assistance there. So they don't have to do like long preps granted, but they do have to stay in really good shape or like all year round. They have to stay pretty close to stage lean. Um, and yeah, it just, that's their whole life for years. It is. And like it's 10 grand, yeah. $10,000. $10, $10, I know. And I was saying, I was having this conversation with Ben. I was like, you know, what other sport do you literally have to be so on top of things all the time? Because he's right into his AFL. And I was like, as if an AFL player is spending 365 days of the year thinking about being in their absolute best condition. Like that just doesn't happen. They don't have to. They get an off season. They go and party after the end of the season. They get smashed. They get drunk. Like, you don't have to, but to be in the physical condition they're in, it does because in those hours you're not awake, you're making sure you're getting enough sleep to maximize. Like it literally is every hour of the day. And I was just like, damn, they look good. But should you would surely just stand there and be like, I should have taken up golf. I would be paid like a million times more and it takes up so much less of my time. Dude, yeah. It's like so the way the women at the elite level would be making money would be through sponsorships yeah. and through, you know, they, they would be getting a fair amount of things for free. So probably their food's all free, probably their clothes are free, gym memberships. They probably didn't have to pay for accommodation and flight. And the guys, the guys are the same, right? The guys are the same. It's not different. But they would be doing it because, like we just said before, they love, they love the process. You're not doing bikini because of the money. You're not even in the men's. You're not doing that for money. <laughs> not not the hours and just life. the health. The health risks. Everything that you're not doing it for money. I think it's safe to say anybody who competes in bodybuilding. Look, I'm going to make a grand sweeping statement here. <laughs> you're competing in bodybuilding, and you're not doing it just as a once-off. You are a you know competitor who competes over and over. I'm not talking about the like once-off. Let's see what it's like. I'm talking about that you go back year after year. That is purely for love of the sport, nothing else, because you would not do that to yourself unless you genuinely loved what you were doing. Yeah, it's grueling. I, I was just blown away when I saw like $10,000. I, yeah. I, uh, I reckon, I don't know how much like um, country soccer leagues play, but I swear like regional soccer players uh, get a little, like the, a couple hundred bucks a week. <laughs> Oh, like, I can tell you, so person who I know, I won't name Don the Minion, um, you know, regional football leagues and stuff do a lot of brown paper bag, dodgy things, but easily like five, $600 a week to play and be a coach. So in a footy season, and, you know, there's bonuses if you, like, win and all sorts of things, easily would make 10000 being the coach of a regional football team. Like... It blows my mind that, you know, you would spend all that time and you get one day and three. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And it's like, yeah, second place, I'm pretty sure it was like seven and a half thousand, five thousand, two thousand. And then the I think it was like six, seven, eight, nine, ten get no money in the men's the last few get two yeah. grand, which again is jack shit. But <laughs> just like is, my God. I know, but I think if and if anyone listening to this um, hasn't seen any footage, you should go and see the footage of when they've announced the winners and stuff because you can just see in their whole body it is pure just love for what they've done and the achievement and all of that. There's no like, you know, oh, my God, I've won. And I think anyone who competes at sport at an elite level, it's not about the money. I think, you know, if there is a lot of time and effort, and even tennis players, all of those, yeah. they do it because they love what they do. Yeah. Um, because I think if you're going to sustain that level of things, you can't just do it with money. Maybe there's some people, but I think there is a love. But you can just see in these athletes, especially the women, just the emotion of like, you know, like I've done this and achieved this is, yeah, it was cool to watch. I'm so excited for you to go through your prep. <laughs> I'm so excited that we're not going to be going through prep at the same time <laughs> because I feel like that would have been like a train wreck. Um, but, you know, now we're apart from each other. Um, I only just realised I'm like nine weeks away from starting I thought I had, I kept, I'd been saying I have 12 weeks for like, yeah, obviously three weeks, four weeks, a month. month. (laughs) Yeah. Super exciting. So So do you have, what's your official like start date? Yeah. I don't know. It's in my, (laughs) Jace has put it in my, um, what do you call it? Training. Why can I not even think of the name of the document that I use every day for all of my clients as well? Coaching (laughs) spreadsheet. It's yeah. in my coaching spreadsheet. Um, we're pushing the food at the moment. So I'm at that place where this is going to sound annoying. I'm struggling to eat the food that I need to eat. Fucking every day having to consume that amount of food with no breaks is so hard. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Also, apologies for you my dog. He's on It sounds no, obnoxious I- though, doesn't it? Especially, it especially you and I. We've had like – we came from opposite ends of the spectrum – but both restricted because of what we thought food was going to do to us. Can you imagine saying to us back then, like saying to you back then, I'm so full, I can't eat all of this. I just want to put it out there. Like you've been in that same spot too. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, fuck off, like it can't be that bad to eat. I was you. I was that person listening as I was eating a very small amount of food thinking, yeah, whatever. No. It is like it is – a different level of, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like I don't hate it, but it's not, it's not fun. It's not to eat that much food in a nutrient dense manner. That's the key yeah. difference. I could love eating, eating the amount of calories and what I'm eating, but to do it in a nutrient dense manner, that's where it's not so enjoyable. Like I could go out and eat, you know, take away a pizza and very easily hit my calories, but it's doing it in a nutrient dense manner where you're hitting not only macros but micros and making sure you're getting all the things because back to that level of success, for me, success is optimizing all of those things and that's where there's not so much enjoyment in it. Yeah, man. I so agree. It's like protein, macros, micros, fiber. Yeah. Plus then some and it's like nothing doesn't even, like things don't even taste great. No, I, well, I think I messaged you the other night. I was like, I just don't think I can eat anymore. Like, yeah. 
I'm done. I'm done. I must say I was so relieved in my check-in on Monday when you were like, I think we're just going to keep your food here. I was like, oh, thank God, I don't want to eat anymore. Yeah. Like, I can't. Yeah. There's no more I can get in my day. Yeah, it's um, nuts. I'm like I'm sitting here feeling real full and I'm not anywhere near. I'm a quarter of my carbs today just because of that over that day after day after day being super yeah. full and you get these days where you're like, I'm not – yeah, it, it takes a bit of time. It's not like if you suddenly eat, mm. like yeah, you're yeah. restricting and then for like three days or you go on a holiday for a weekend and you eat a heap of food, you're not then going to be like, oh, I hate food. No, yeah. it's like a build-up. It's yeah. like I've spent, I think we're in week 10 of this yeah. surplus and really it was around that seven to eight week mark. It's like my body's like, we are full. Yeah. We need no more. Stop. Like we've built up a real good storage here. We're done. And now you're trying to push past that. It took time to get here. It's not like if you eat, you know, in a surplus for a week, you're suddenly going to hate food. It definitely, it's like a backlog process. You're like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So agreed. Let's get to question time. Also, what are you whinging about? You've only been back at like maintenance for what, like two weeks? Have I? Two, three weeks. Yeah, but, you know, to to be fair, the mini cut was so fast. It was it was four weeks. It wasn't that drastic. Stop laughing at me. I'm just sitting here. I'm like feeling just full. And I'm like, fuck. I have to have more food. I don't want to hear your whinging for at least another month. <laughs> I know, right? And then it's gonna be. I reckon I'll do good for the first four weeks of the deficit. I'll be sweet, no matter even if it's super aggressive. And then week five, week six, I'm gonna be like, fuck. I want something. <laughs> Well, I think what if you start in nine, mm. nine weeks? Yeah. So what then? Four weeks. So your that point in your deficit will be meeting the tail end of my mini cut. So we'll just like drag each other through. Nice. I like it. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Uh, I I always I feel like I cheat because I get to read these questions first. Yeah, but I already know the whole podcast is you preparing and me being thrown <laughs> under a bus. No, to be fair, in terms of what I wanted to talk about. I wrote the notes uh, basically when we came on and had our, <laughs> had our pre-podcast chat. Is <laughs> not prepared. So um, would you rather everyone in the bikini lineup wear exactly the same colour suit as you mm-hmm. or have your tan run? Ooh. I think I'd rather everyone wear the same suit as me. Yeah, man, I'm the same. Because – if it's the same suit as me, it means it suits me the most because I picked it for me. <laughs> so, like, it's not like I got given a suit I had to wear. I've got the suit I want and everyone else happens to be wearing it, but I know that looks banger on me. I would rather that than tan run lines. Yeah, nah, same. I, the tan, I think the tan running you'd probably actually get marked down for, actually. That's my worst nightmare. I yeah, feel for all yeah, those yeah. people yeah. on Saturday when that past ICN comp was, it was Pouring on Saturday. Oh. And I was like, ugh, that would stress me majorly. Did you catch any of the ICN? Uh, little bits and pieces on Instagram. Um, I'd hope to go down to it, but it just didn't happen. So mm. hopefully I'll get to one in a couple of weeks. I think there's another one in about a month. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Drive down to that one. And I think that all the – I actually think all the suits being the same is a really good thing because if, yeah. if you've got a better physique – you're going to outshine everyone else. As long as the colour suits you. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you get to shoot, yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, 
I don't know if you know this, so we can just chat about it. It's not, it's not as much a, like a would you rather question, but hair removal for show. So I have absolutely have an answer for this. Yeah. It's a hundred percent get laser. A hundred percent. Yeah. If um, it's an option for you, I tried to get laser. Alas, it's not an option for me because the hair color. on my like, mm. well, despite being, I mm. am naturally quite brunette, but the hair on my body is really, really fair. Mm. And so I was too fair for laser. So laser, if you can, that's my suggestion as well. But yeah, otherwise. A hundred percent. And get it, start getting it like, uh, bef- like 12 months before the show, if you possibly can. Yeah. Um, so it's all good, but it's the easiest thing. The issue women have, not just women, but you can have with razor um, shaving is getting the tan stuck and um, yeah. in like pores and stuff and razor rash and all that sort of stuff. It's it's not great. And this might sound harsh, but it's true. You, you get marked down for that sort of stuff, especially with bikini. They really, really work like makeup, hair, earrings, jewelry, smile, um, yeah. color of your tan it's the whole package the not whole just package. the yeah. physique yeah um, it's like you know how you present yourself there's been some well with your physique. there's been some really interesting discussions about hair and a lot of the women who tend to win have longer full hair we saw in the olympia last year jennifer dory has like really tight ringlets like curls which is really cool yeah. um but we I don't think we ever see anyone with really short hair in bikini, which is really interesting. There's mm. there's some discussions about, you know, like inclusivity and all of those sorts of things, which I'm not qualified to go anywhere near because I haven't read into it at all. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it is interesting. You've, like, you've kind of got to play to the judges. I think tattoos don't matter. I'm not sure if they did once upon a time, but they're not seeming to hold anyone back. People have like full sleeve, women have full sleeves and legs and yeah. it doesn't matter. I think if it hides your muscles, you might be putting your positioning a little bit at risk, but we've seen girls with big tats win. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think with the, like the tough thing too is, you know, with um, bikini and the judging, the people judging are people and you mm. naturally subconsciously have bias mm. towards mm. things and you know you could get really deep and meaningful here about like societal norms and mm. things like that but that stereotypical bikini model mm. is long hair it's it's that it, that is what it looks like and mm. so you know as much as the judges um obviously always are like no we're looking you know, this is the checklist. There's a natural bias. Mm. You just can't help, like, come out and, you know, that's just one of those things. And, you know, I suppose you've got to, in some element, play into that because you know that's what it is. Is it right? Mm. Probably not. But, you know, again, we're not qualified for those sort of Mm. conversations. But, you know, it is just one of those things. Yeah, and I think that's, like, when you go into a bikini show, you know, like, it's it's, it's not a who can lift the most sport. It's super yeah. subjective. What are the judges look, look looking for on the day in the in the particular lineup too? Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's so subjective. Mm. Um. Well, that completes us. I think that I've got a feeling we might have even been over an hour, which is a while. <laughs> it, it flies by, doesn't it? I was like, oh, just chat away. Yeah. So thank you so much if you tuned in. Remember, if you're one of one of the gang. 
and maybe don't have a big community around you, definitely shoot Jess or I a message. Definitely jump into the Facebook group. It's called Building Bodies and Muscle We Love with Amy Louise. So you can just search that on Facebook, jump in. Um, I'm doing lives almost weekly now, I think, where and they're on Zoom too. So if you want to turn your camera on and jump on and have a chat with us, you can. Uh, but you can also just jump in with your camera off if you want to stay under the radar. But I would highly recommend if you're feeling sort of that you want to be around these sort of discussions, even the education component. Of course, this podcast that I do with Jess isn't is more a bit fun and casual. But um, you would know from the other podcast, education is a big piece to um, how I provide value to everyone. But yeah, definitely jump in if you're wanting some, you know, some new friends and a bit of a circle because that's what we're there for. Otherwise, thank you, Jess, for coming on. um if you guys like this episode as always please shoot us through a message let us know and i was gonna say like and subscribe well if you're on youtube like and subscribe but otherwise just um yeah share share a picture of the podcast on your stories very much appreciate it over and out